Welcome to Refall 2021. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. At Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. We're going to start from verse 41. Luke chapter 19 from verse 41. Uh, and, and I believe that God is calling today to be a day of visitation for someone under the sound of my voice. Um, trust, honestly, trust God. I don't want to say trust me, but you've come into a season of divine visitation. And, and what will happen is that by virtue of what you will hear today, you will recognize your visitation and you will know how to maximize your visitation. Um, a lot of times people expect visitations, but they don't know what to do and how it will play out. But you will recognize it. You will know what to do. You will, you will know how it will play out and you'll be able to execute it correctly. So in Luke chapter 19, verse 41, Jesus, the Bible says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. The Bible says that when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, if you had known, I'm reading from the old King James. It says, if thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid, from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon you that thine enemies shall cast a trench upon you and encompass you around and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of your visitation. Luke 19, Luke 19. I'll read it again from the NKJV. He says, now as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you that will not be a portion in jesus name surround and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation that will not be my portion and that will not be your portion in jesus name we will all know recognize and maximize the days and the times of visitation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Father, bless your word. Cause everyone to hear it, to receive it upon the, uh, upon the, the tables of their hearts that we may run with it correctly and appropriately in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, um, for years, I've always asked God that, um, uh, that Lord, uh, why, 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 why do, why do Christians, why do some people have elongated seasons of suffering? You know, like why, why do people have elongated seasons of, 
of trials and tribulation. You know, it's it's like it doesn't end. Do you, do you get what I mean? You know, it's like, you know, it starts, then they're like, I'm going through something God is taking me through. And it continues on and on and on. And you're like, you know, like a process that is lasting for 14 years. I mean, Job's zone didn't last more than nine months in scripture. When God took the children of Israel through the wilderness, it was not supposed to last beyond two years. But because they didn't recognize their season of visitation, it extended to 40. Do you understand what I'm saying? They, they didn't do what they ought to do. By the second year, they were on the verge of the promised land. You know, so obviously there is a season when God takes a person through in order to work certain things into you, but it's not supposed to be a lifestyle. Do you understand me? It's not supposed to be a lifestyle. It's supposed to be a process of transition. It's supposed to be a process of transition. And so God brought me to this scripture and, and for some time, he has been teaching me with this verse of Bible. You know, I just go there and I sit with it and he starts to speak with me about this, that, you know, that the, the problem is for a lot of people, they didn't recognize their seasons of visitation, that he actually came to turn things around, but they were not able to take advantage of it. Now, the first thing is, the Bible says, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it. Now, please, let me start by saying this. A lot of us, we blame the Lord for what he's not responsible for anymore. And notice I use the word anymore. We blame the Lord for what he's not responsible for anymore. We blame him for our challenges. We blame him for our situations. We blame him for our circumstances. Um, we blame him for why things are not going as they ought to go. That kind of a blame just shows a lack of understanding because concerning you, God has concluded everything. You're a finished work in Christ. Everything is concluded on your behalf. There is nothing that God is going to do for you anymore. Mm -mm. He has already done everything for you. He has already done it. The Bible says that the works were finished, right, from before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had beforehand prepared that we should walk in. So everything that you are praying for is concluded. So blaming God for what you're going through is blaming him for what he's not responsible for anymore. Now, let me explain to you. What is the Lord responsible for? The Lord is responsible for the administration of certain things in your life. Please pay attention to me. The Lord is responsible for the administration of certain things in your life. The Bible says in Hebrews 7.25 that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. So the Lord administrates your intercession. The Lord administrates your intercession. The second thing, the Bible says that, uh, that, that by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. The second thing is the Lord administrates the words of your confession. 
the Lord administrates the words of your confession. Why? The Bible says that the worlds were framed by the word of God. He says, for the things which are seen were not made of things that do appear. The worlds were framed by the word of God. For the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, please. Sorry, it's not a show of vanity. But behind you, there is a picture of myself. Now, in the original picture, that picture is taken with three people. Understand this. That picture is taken with three people. There are three people in that picture, uh, in, in the picture behind me at the event when it was taken. However, what is framed is only my own image. Do you understand me? What is framed is only my own image. And it's not the totality of my image. That is what is framed. So what you are seeing is what they chose to appear. And what they chose to appear is a product of what was framed. And what is framed in this picture is a product of the of the, of the uh, photographer's lenses, but in your life is a product of your words. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we say that the Lord, when we say that the Lord, right, is the administrator of your words, it means that there are certain things that God wants to appear in your life. There are certain things that he wants to be seen in your life. And part time and part season, he gives you words to speak those things into being. If you speak those things into being, that is what people will see about you. Do you get what I'm saying? That's what people will see about you. If you don't say them, then they see a generality or they might not even see you at all. So please, we, we must get this. My dear brothers and sisters, we must understand this. People are blaming God for what he's not responsible for. Remember what I said? The first thing he's responsible for is your intercession. Now, listen, I, 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 I didn't even break that down. The Bible says he lived to make intercession for us. Now, listen to this. Listen to this. Please pay attention to this. The Bible says he lived to make intercession for us. That means that right now, at the right hand of the Father, Christ is interceding for you and Christ is interceding for me. He's interceding for you and he's interceding for me. The intercession of Christ is what the Bible says when Jesus said in John 16, he says that he will not speak of himself, but what he hears, he will, he will what he hears of me he will give it to you, meaning that what Christ is interceding on the right hand of the Father, which is the perfect will of God for you, is what the Holy Spirit hears and, and, and then gives to you and he downloads it to you in this realm as tongues. So when you are praying in tongues, you are praying on earth what Christ is interceding in heaven. Hallelujah. Because you don't have your own words. Your, 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 your prayers are insufficient. They don't carry any capacity. 
You speaking your will. That is why the Bible says we ought, we know not how we ought to pray as we ought, but the Holy Spirit himself maketh intercession through groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit does not make intercession of himself. The Holy Spirit takes of that which Christ, who is the chief intercessor, the administrator of your intercessor, intercession, what Christ is interceding before the Father, he takes it, he gives it to you as tongues, you process it on the earth as tongues, and then he turns it into a confession. Then it becomes your confession. And when it becomes your confession, you are, listen, every time you are confessing, you are calling things that be not. Now, listen to this. Calling things that be not does not mean that those things don't exist. It means they have not yet appeared. Do you get what I'm saying? The things that be not, they are real in the realm of God, but they are not real in the realm of your experience. So you are calling from the realm of God, which is truly reality, because the realm that you are experiencing is temporary. It is temporal, but that realm that you are calling from is eternal. And that is what you begin to speak into existence. So what is Christ responsible for? He's responsible for your intercession. He's responsible for your confession. And he's responsible for your profession, your work. Right? I wish someone would write that down so that I'm sure that we're getting it. He's responsible for your intercession. He's responsible for your confession. And he's responsible for your profession, your Christian work. Now, how do I know he's responsible for that? Go to Acts chapter 10, verse 6. And I'm going to read this from the original King James. From the original, from the King James Version. Why? Because... I don't know what's going on right now all over the world. If you, if you study your Bible a lot, you will notice that they take away lines. They can take away a line from scripture. They can take away a word. At times they take away a whole verse from scripture. So if a person is just someone that started reading the Bible in this day of um, things being on um, iPads and on tablets, you, there are whole portions of scripture that is missing. In Acts 10, 8, 6, the Bible says Cornelius was praying, and then Jesus did, uh, did something. He started to speak to him. He sent an angel to speak to him, who said that your prayers and your intercessions, they've been answered, they've come up. He says now, he's lodging with Simon, with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Your profession is what you should do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Your profession is what you should do. So in every challenge, when you pray, Christ is interceding for you. It is his intercession that you take, that you process. Then he gives you words to begin to speak. It is those words that now begin to frame your world. And by framing your world, they call into your world, the people that should come into your world, and they shut the door on the people that should leave your world. And as those people begin to come into your world, then you know what you should do. That now becomes your profession. 
that now becomes your profession. However, let me tell you one of the problems is for a lot of believers, we don't align with the intercession of Christ. Meaning the person comes to the Lord and he's praying and all he wants is a breakthrough and the Lord is changing his intercession through tongues. He doesn't want to listen. He doesn't want to listen. That is why it, it, to be stubborn and to be stiff-necked is a great disservice to your destiny in the kingdom of God. So the Bible says that Christ draws near. He saw the city and wept over it. Now, my question is, uh, now my, my answer is this. A lot of times when we are blaming God for what he's not responsible for, after he has given us his intercession, his confession, and our profession, when he draws near, what you are complaining about, when he sees it, he weeps. Do you understand what I'm saying? What you are complaining about, when God himself sees it, he weeps. Because he weeps in that, what else can I do? I've given you my intercession. I've given you the words to speak. And I've given you the instructions, but you refuse to heed. So he looks at a lot of lives of believers and he weeps. He sees the consequences of wrong choices. The Bible says in Jonah chapter 2 verse 8, it says that those that observe lying vanities are forsaking their own mercy. So there are many believers who have observed the wrong things and they are forsaking their own mercy. I'll get down there further in this teaching. Meaning that they've missed opportunities. And let, let me explain something. When you miss opportunities and things go around you, what happens is that it prolongs your hardship and it elongates your process and the suffering begins to seem to be perpetual. And so Jesus began to say something and this is what the Lord started to show me. He said, and the Lord started to speak saying, if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace. That's a loaded verse there. He says, if you had known, to know means if you were clearly aware. Do you get what I'm saying? Because every day things come across our way. Listen to me. There are several times in a week that you walk past your helper of destiny. There are several times that you walk past the person that can be, that is the key to the next level. You walk past your next open door. I've said this for years, that people are doors. When you pray for an open door, God sends you a person. But there are several times that when God sends you the person who is supposed to open the door for you, the way you treat them repels them. And so you miss your door. Now, Jesus, he said, if you had been fully aware, if you had been clearly aware, he says, especially in this your day, meaning at least at this Kairos moment, at least at this Kairos moment, there's always a Kairos moment. Do you understand me? Time is broken into two. You know, chronological measurement of times and seasons and opportune set times. 
Now, what the Lord is saying is that at that Kairos moment, listen to me, you can miss every other day, but there is any, because listen to this, everything that is presenting itself to you, please get this, everything that is presenting itself to you is a product of the Lord's intercession. It is not just happening. Do you understand me? The Bible says he ever lived to make intercession. He is divinely arranging it. He's placing it in your mouth so that when you speak it, you can frame it into your world. But the Bible is now saying that if you are known at the Kairos moment, at the defining moment, and you have been able to seize the opportunity, oh God, you have been able to seize the opportunity. Now, let me say, ask you this. Can you imagine if on the day Rebecca went to the well to fetch water and she met that old man that had been sent by Abraham to seek for a wife for Isaac? Can you imagine if Rebecca was in a bad mood on that day? Can, just paint it, just paint the picture so that you and I, we can understand what I'm talking about. That when Rebecca got to the well, she was in a bad mood after fetching the water. The man now says, young lady, please, can you give me some water? And she looked at him and she said, what I call what I need. Nonsense, perverted old man. Look at him, useless man. He's looking at a young girl. You won't even, you won't even respect, you won't even respect a young girl. Eh? Look at you, old man, chasing small girl, using water, trying to use water to, to, to flirt. Nonsense, useless man, rubbish and nonsense. And she walked off. Can, can you see how people miss their days of visitation? Right? Because they woke up on, with a bad mood on that day. Can you imagine on the day, the Bible says that when, when Moses, when Moses, um, not Moses, the Bible says that when jo, jo, uh, Joseph was in prison, the Bible says he was watching over the prison, he saw the baker and the butler, they were sad. Joseph went to meet them and asked them, why is your face downcast? How could Joseph say that? Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. Joseph, that his master's wife had lied on him. The natural thing was that Joseph should have been the most pessimistic prisoner there. But can you see how you cannot allow your situation, right, change your attitude? That's why the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Bible says that with joy, we draw from the wells of salvation. You can't go around with a bad attitude because things are going well. Your bad attitude will only sink you the more. It will only sink you the more. The Bible says that on that day, Joseph interpreted the dream of the cupbearer and of the butler. And that was his key to get out of there. There was another day that David was chasing the, the, the uh, he didn't even know who he was chasing because they had taken away his wife. And he met, a, he, met, he met an Egyptian who was left for dead. Can you imagine? Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if I would have passed that. If someone kidnaps my wife and child and someone runs in front of me and says, Pastor, please help me, I'm dying. I'll be like, look, my friend, go and die. Get out. I, I'm going to look for my wife. You, can you see how we miss? I'm sorry that um, like, like, I like to be honest and I like to paint pictures so that you don't think that I'm more than I am. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? Did you get what I'm saying? But can you see how easy it is? He says, Jesus said, <laughs> if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, 
Now, please, let me break this down. Let me break this down. When he says your day, understand this. Everybody has a day. Everybody has a day. And the day is not 24 hours. Do you understand? Your day is not 24 hours. Your day, please get this, is the season of your life when God calls you to work. I'll break this down. It is the season in your life when God calls you to work. Jesus said in John chapter 9, verse 9, verse 4. John chapter 9, verse 4. He says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can walk. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. When no one can walk. Remember when Lazarus was going to die, Jesus said that I did not so many hours in the day. If you walk in the day, nothing happens to you. The day is when God calls you to work. Work is not your job. Do you understand me? Your work is not your job. Just get this. Yes, it's, it's a Kairos moment. But your work is not your job. Because for a lot of people, they've reduced their work to their job. No. Your job is how you earn a living. Your job is how you earn a living. Your work is how you make a difference. Your work is how you make a difference. God can give you a job to sustain your work. But what God has called you to is work. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God and people. It is work. Making a difference, I will say it again today. It's not about an organization. It is about people. So your work, your job can be um, you own an organization, a company, and you earn in nine figures. That's your job. Your work is that God has raised you up to sustain 5,000 lives. That's your life's work. It's about the lives. It's about the salaries that you're paying. Do you get what I'm saying? It's about the lives that you're sustaining. So there are 5,000 people that look to you for their provision. It is because God has found you faithful so he can entrust you with work. He can entrust you with that work. Because another person can sit on the five figures, uh, on the nine figures, and refuse to release five figures into someone that works for them. But a person who is about their work is constantly thinking, listen, I'm, it's not like I want to give out props. PI is about work. Pastor Emisi is about work. I know I had this conversation with her maybe about five years ago or so. Transiting from a job 
She was doing a job then, right? Now she's working. This is work. She might still have a job where she earns because God will always, Paul's tent making was his job. His apostleship was his work. Now, please understand this. I want to hurry up, but I, I don't want people not to be clear. He says, in this your day, in this your day, the posture, let me go back. Let me go back and read it. Sorry. It happens at times. Too many things flows in my head. And so my, my mind freezes briefly. Let me just go back. Let me recalibrate. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city, wept over it, saying, if you had known, even especially in this your day. So we're talking about the day. The day is when you're able to make a difference. Now, your day, you make a difference. The night time, you sleep with the consequences of what you did in the day. Because the night time is not about activity. The night time is about rest. So at night, you stay with the consequences of what you did during the day. If you used your day well, you will sleep well at night. You will rest well at night. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you messed up your day, remember like they say, they say that as you lay your bed, so will you lie on it. That's what happens at, at, at night. So when the Bible says weeping may endure for a night, it means that you have to go through a season of consequences until you come into another day when God calls you into work maybe to repeat what you did not do. And then joy comes in the morning, not automatically, but because now you recognize because of the, of the lessons learned at night, now you recognize the actions you ought to take in the day. That is why people have been saying, weeping and just through the night for years, and joy has still not come because they have not learned the lesson. For joy to come in the morning, you need to rectify the mistake that was made the previous morning. That is why the Bible says, night, day unto day, utterate speech. That's speaking about actions. But night unto night, show it knowledge. That's speaking about learning from the consequences. You have learned something. The night time is when you go into a season of learning. You've learned something. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? You've learned something. Now you can apply it into the next day. So God said to Jonah, go to Nineveh. There, he refused. He entered the boat. Then a storm came. Night started. He fell into the belly of the fish. Spent three days and three nights there. That's a night season. No activity. All he could do from the belly of the fish was repent and pray. And then the fish vomited him. Then God came back to him again. Go back to Nineveh. That's another day. That's another day. That's how the days work. That's how the days work. So the Bible is saying that if you knew what was necessary for your peace during the day, if, if you knew, especially in this, the, the things that make for peace. Now, let me move quickly. 
And the Bible is talking about things. It's talking about, yeah, the actions, the things that we ought to do, the things that we ought to act upon that make for peace. Now, please, let's understand this. Peace is not what we call peace, right? That's a, a um, peace in Hebrew and in Greek is different from peace in English. Peace in English is, oh, don't fight. Don't fight. Let's be at peace. Let's be at peace. Peace in Hebrew speaks of shalom. Shalom speaks of nothing missing, nothing broken, wholeness, prosperity. That's what peace is. Peace is actually speaking of prosperity. So when the Bible says, if you knew in this day, what would sustain your prosperity? Now, please understand this. Peace in Hebrew comes from the word shalom. Peace in Greek comes from the word hierene. Hierene speaks about harmony with God and man. That's what hierene means. It means harmony. It means prosperity that is produced as a result of harmony with God and man. So when Jesus said the things, there are certain actions that will make for your prosperity as a result of your harmony with God and with man, he, right? He says, but now they are hidden from your eyes. He's not talking about the eyes there. He says that they are hidden from you because of envy. That's what he's talking about. Now, let's look at the context of what happened here in scripture. The Bible says, that Jesus came to Jerusalem as the Messiah, but the Jews rejected him because the Pharisees, the priests, and the ruling party, the Sanhedrin, they were jealous. They were envious of him because he was more popular than them. So what Jesus is saying is that for a lot of us, we miss out on our days and our seasons of visitation why? Because we don't do what will extend and establish our prosperity because we are not in harmony with God, Christ, who makes intercessions with us, and men who he brings into our lives as doors to open us into the next level. Why? Because we are jealous of them. Because we are envious of them. Because we are thinking to ourselves, well, what's doing himself? Why? Why? What is he feeling like? Who is this pastor? Is it because he's in Glasgow? What's doing him? See, what kind of man of God puts a picture behind his seat? I mean, who, who does that? I mean, who, who, what, what, what kind of man of God is that? Say? I don't even know where P.I. went to get this kind of people from, right? Yeah, Sitting with a picture behind his seat, right? Someone else is there saying, I don't even like this Apostle Femi said. What's doing him? Eh? He's always wearing Tomio figure, Tomio figure, Tomio figure. What kind of man of God is this? All these men of God feeling cool with themselves, right? They don't know what we are going through in Nigeria. They don't, they don't even know our circumstances. They don't know our situation, right? Eh? Is, this, is this the kind of thing? So this is the gospel that we are talking about. This is how people talk. And this is how some of us talk. You, you put your mouth in things on social media, things that would have made for your peace, but because of envy, you won't see it. You don't see it because of envy. Because of envy. You don't see it. So Jesus says that these things make for your peace. This is what robs, of, or robs us of peace. This is what robs us of peace. Now, listen, 
I just want to rush this out. He says, I'll forget about. So he starts to tell us about the consequences in verse 43. And then in verse 44, he says something. At the last, the last statement, he said, because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not recognize the time of your visitation. Now, please, let me explain this to you. If you've not been listening to anything, you must listen to this one. And it, write this down. When the Bible speaks about seasons of visitation, when the Bible, <laughs> all right, P.I., when the Bible speaks of seasons of visitation, there are two seasons of visitation when you study scripture correctly. God, for every man, you can't pray it away. Do you understand me? You, you can't pray it away. This is not the kind of thing, sorry. This is, this is not the kind of a thing you pray away, right? This is not the kind of thing because um, we've been falsely taught to think that we can bind everything. Nope. There are two seasons of visitation. One, the first is when God visits you with his mercy. That is for you. That's your first season of it. It, it happens to every man. It happens to every single person. Now, while some of us might be there and thinking that, but uh, pastor, why hasn't it happened to me? Listen to me, just stay with me. The first season of visitation is God visits you with his mercy. The second season of visitation is God visits the land with his judgment. Not you, but the land, the land. But the essence is that what you do with the first season of visitation will determine what happens to you during the second season of visitation. Yes. God will visit you with his mercy. God will visit the land with his judgment. A lot of people are going through so much not because God is, has an issue with them, but they were not properly prepared for the judgment on the land. When the Bible says that the lot of the wicked will not fall on the portion of the righteous, it's talking about seasons of visitation. Now, let me break this down. Genesis 21.1. The Bible says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken, and she brought forth a son. He visited her with mercy. God will visit you with mercy today in Jesus' name. I'm more about clarity. So I, I don't just want to excite you and just tell you to say amen. But if you can't say amen to that one, say amen, because it, it, it's, I'm not just saying it from an empty mouth. God will visit you in this season. Because like I told you, this is your season of visitation. He, God is visiting you with his mercy in the name of Jesus. So God visits you with mercy. Genesis, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 10. God told the children of Israel, forget about going back home. Stay in this land. I will prosper you in this land. Then in verse 10, he says, and then I will visit you again. This is corporately. 
and I will take you from this land and take you back to the land of Israel. Then he goes to verse 11 that everybody quotes. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end. But verse 11 is a consequence of verse 10, a visitation of mercy. A visitation of mercy. When God visits you with his mercy, he creates opportunities for you. He looks out for you. He sends people into your space to help you facilitate your next level and to prepare for your next season coming ahead. But then he also visits us with judgment. He also visits us with judgment. Judgment means separation. That's what judgment means. Judgment doesn't mean that God wants to punish people. Remember, the Bible says that God does not wish for any to perish, but that all be saved. So judgment is not about punishment. Judgment is about giving account. Judgment is about giving account by virtue of what God has given to you. So a time comes, God is a God of reckoning. So a time comes when he shows up, right? Like he did with, with the parable of the talent. There was a time of judgment. He told them, present yourself. Let me see what you guys have done with the mercy I showed you by the resources I gave to you. So he comes in a season of judgment. And that judgment is to separate those who are ease from those who are not ease. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what judgment comes. It's a season of separation to separate those who are ears, right? The Bible says, let everyone that names the name of the Lord depart. It's to separate those who are his own from those who are not his own. That's what judgment is about. It's a season of separation. It's when God chooses to make a difference, but it comes on the land. When judgment came on Egypt, listen to this. When judgment came on Egypt, Everything in Egypt was dying except what was in Goshen. That's judgment. God drew a line. He separated a line between those who are is and those who are not is. That's what judgment is about. That's what judgment is about. Now, please get this. Oh, yes. The year of Goshen. It's, 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 that's what it is. That's why I said that we are coming to the days of visitation. I know what God said to me before teaching this, right? So I'm not just teaching to share Bible knowledge. No, no, no. I'm more of a prophetic teacher. When I'm teaching, I'm saying what will happen. And you'll see it in your lives. You'll see it. You'll see it from scripture and you will see, you'll see it happen to you. Now, so he comes to separate them. He comes to separate them. Now, please get this. Mercy doesn't just fall on you by default. Because remember, how you maximize your season of mercy will determine how you enjoy uh, the season, how, where judgment falls on you in the season of judgment. Mercy does not fall on you by default. So people don't receive mercy by just shouting, Father, mercy, oh, Father, show me your mercy. Baba, mercy, 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 mercy. No, that's not how mercy comes. <laughs> that's not, you can pray for mercy. It's good to pray for mercy, but that is not how mercy comes. Mm -mm. That's not how mercy comes. You see, how you receive mercy 
like I said, will determine how judgment falls, right? That's why the Bible says God tempers judgment with mercy. But what people don't realize is that mercy has gone ahead of judgment. Mercy always presents itself before judgment. People expect mercy to be an aftermath of judgment, but mercy has actually gone ahead before the season of judgment comes. Now, how does this happen? Let me show you so that I don't just bore you. Mercy cushions the effects of judgment. Now, let me get this. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7, the Bible says, Blessed are they that are merciful because they will obtain mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful because they will obtain mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful because they will obtain mercy. Jonah chapter 2 verse 8, those that obtain lying vanities have forsaken their own mercy. Those who, do you understand? You go after lying vanities, you forsake your own mercy. So how do you receive mercy? You receive mercy by showing mercy. It's very simple, but it's the truth. You receive mercy by showing mercy. If you don't show mercy, you will not receive mercy. Mercy always presents itself to you as if you are the one to give it, not like you are the one to receive it. Listen, you don't receive mercy from the person who does something for you and you kneel down and you say, thank you, sir, thank you, sir, thank you, sir. No, you receive mercy by showing mercy to someone and that person says to you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's how you receive mercy. Every time the Lord wants to give you something, he presents himself to you like he needs it from you. Remember the woman by the well? Jesus asked her for water. He was going to give her living water. Do you get what I'm saying? That's how it works. He presents himself to you as if you are the one that has it. That's why the Bible says that blessed are those who are merciful. That's how you obtain it. Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain. You don't obtain it just by talk. You obtain it by showing it. That's how you show mercy. That's how you show mercy. I'm going to give you two stories here, right? One concerning myself and one from scripture. I'll give you the scripture zone first. So what happened? Joseph showed mercy by interpreting the dreams of the butler and the cup bearer. That was how God showed him. When God put those guys in prison and made them dream that dream, God was showing Joseph mercy. If Joseph did not take it upon himself to help them, he would have forsaken his mercy. He would have obtained lying vanities. That mercy would have been gone. He would have, he would have spent life in prison while he was supposed to spend life in the palace. You see why I say that people just prolong their process? Because we don't know how to read the seasons. We don't know how to read the times. We don't understand who God is selling sending our way. Do you understand me? If David had forsaken that Egyptian, only God knows what would have happened to his wives. Do you understand me? By showing that guy mercy, when God left that guy on the road who needed help, God was showing David mercy. But if he had observed the lying vanities, man, I don't have time. I don't have time. That's why I said people is 
you make difference with people. And why I keep saying it is because, because of the economical situation of our country, a lot of people are into money. If there is no money in it, they are not interested. And so people are forsaking mercy. People are forsaking mercy. People are forsaking mercy. Now look at this story. The Bible speaks about a certain woman who's a, who's, who's a woman of Shunem. The Bible says that this woman would see Elijah. This is the first story. This woman would see Elisha go past her house every time, probably in conversation with her. After a while, the woman would call him in to eat. Now, let me tell you something. I, I, I am someone that I travel around to preach, particularly in Scotland, right? You go from place to place preaching, and at times it can be hard. Do you understand me? At times I've... I've I've traveled to preach before that I had nothing in my pocket and God sustained me with mercy. Do you understand me? You know, like you leave your house, all you have is your, your, your train ticket to the city where you're supposed to preach you, you, or where you're supposed to. No, this one I was able to preach because most times when you're going to preach, you know that people are going to take care of you. Well, they ought to, not every time, right? But you, you, there's difference between ministry with Caucasians in UK and ministry with Niger people. There's <laughs> so all that honor of people carrying your Bibles, walking behind you. Mm -mm. It ain't happening here. It ain't happening. They offer you tea, coffee, biscuits, you preach, you go, right? <laughs> you go, right? They're gonna give you honorary, maybe they'll give you 25 pounds. So thank you very much, Mr. Akin Kugbe. Do you understand? They've given it to you, you've gone, right? So. You might go at times, you might preach for maybe some really established churches and then there they're like, oh, God bless you, man of God, we're blessing you with a thousand pounds or something. But please don't, Pastor Christine, thank you, right? Because people just think, oh, it's in the UK. It's not like that. It's not like that. You know, nobody's giving you that kind of honor. <laughs> nobody's giving you that kind of honor. So, um, um, where was I? So, you're going to preach, train, I know you have your train. Sorry? You're going to preach, I know you have your train ticket. Yes, yes. So, so, yeah, no, I'm going back to, so uh, all I had was my train ticket. I got to this place and all of a sudden, right, this wasn't even to preach. I was going for a meeting and I got there and I met this man at this <clears throat> station who had been at a meeting that I preached before and it was like, oh man of God, you are here, wonderful, where are you staying? I said, oh, I'm not really sure yet. I'm not sure about the hotel, you know? He said, oh, but the meeting, the meeting was in Birmingham and it was at the Hilton in Birmingham. He said, oh, the meeting is, is at the Hilton. I said, yes, but I'm sure it will be full. You know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to get any space in the hotel. The man was like, no, 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 let me take you there. So I got there. This man paid for my three days at the hotel and paid for my meals. And left me there. That's that. That was that's So every time I read this Elisha's story, I get it. The Bible says this woman would give him food every time he was walking past. We assume that Elisha was honoring her. You don't know whether maybe Elisha didn't have money for food. That was why God made a woman, prepared a woman in his path to be giving him food, so he would eat. After a while, God made this woman prepare a house. So Elisha now knew that anytime he was going by that way, there would be provision for him. He knew he would be okay. He knew he would be fine. 
This woman showed him mercy. But because she showed him mercy, she obtained her own mercy, which was what? A son. A son. She couldn't have a child because Elisha. So when God was bringing Elisha her way, God was preparing to end her barrenness. How many people have treated people disrespectfully who could have turned your story around? You just forsook it. And then the things continues and you're wondering, God, have mercy. Do you understand? You want to meet Baba Deboe. Why, why do you want to meet Baba Deboe? Why, why have you honored Pastor Emisi? Do you understand? We, we, we miss these things. And let me show you why I knew then at that point in time, Elisha didn't have clout. He was just starting out not long before Elijah had died. Years later, the Bible now says that God showed her mercy again. God was going to visit the land. This time it was judgment. It was going to bring barrenness on the land. It was going to bring famine on the land. So God told Elisha to tell this woman to leave the land. The woman left the land, went away for seven years, came back seven years later. The king was talking to Gehazi. Gehazi was talking to the king about this woman and her son. When she came back, this time, can you imagine? Can you imagine the clout Elisha must have had that his former PA, who was a leper by the name of Gehazi, could have an audience with the king and they could be talking about this woman? You don't know who you are showing mercy to. The person might look like they need it today, but you don't know. Finally, let me finish with this story. This is how I got to the UK. Some of you who are in Manifold have probably heard it before, but this is how I got to the UK. I applied for my master's to come and I came in to do my master's in 2006. I applied at the end of 2005. I was practicing law in Lagos. And I will never forget when I applied um, on the day that my uh, papers were going to be sent back to me, a certain woman's husband was arrested and was taken to Panty police station. Was taken to Panty Police Station. <laughs> he was taken to Panty Police Station, and then what happened? He 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 had an issue with someone, and someone just used the fact that they had money to arrest him. Typical Nigerian scenario. When I got to Panty Police Station, this man was already being beaten, and he was a nice, chubby guy, you know, just soft-bodied guy. I'm not lying. When I got there, right. They put him in this general cell. There was this prisoner. The guy was already looking at him. You are going to make you your word today. I was like, God, this, this guy will not. And this was on a Friday. Like, this guy ain't going to survive this place. This guy, by the time we come back on Monday, <laughs> this guy, eh, <laughs> this guy would have been raped. I, I, no, no, no. This is no joke. The guy was already like, yes, this is my portion for the weekend. So the man was crying, lawyer, please help me. His wife was begging me. So I went back to the office to, do, to get some paperwork, to go back to Panty. When I got back to the office, they told me that um, your papers have arrived. A friend of mine then, Jadisola Awoyinfa, she's in, she's, in, um, she's in, I think, Oman now. She told me your papers have arrived. So I took it, I opened it. They refused me. Hey, they refused me. I didn't know what to do. I was like, what? I'd already tendered my resignation. And knowing my boss, if you tender your resignation, you can't come back. So I left. 
I went back to the police said, as a matter, I wasn't going to go back. I was so depressed. I wasn't going to go back. Then the woman kept calling my number. I was angry. I didn't want to pick up the call. She kept begging, please, please. So I said, madam, look, I'm not sure if there's anything. She just begged me, lawyer, please come. So I went back to the police station. We were there finally at 9.30. I got them to release this man. Himself and his family, they were so thankful. God bless you, man of God. Um, no, God bless you, lawyer. And I wasn't man of God there. God bless you, lawyer. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. They thanked me. And the woman said something that I'll never forget. The woman said, we don't have any money to give you. But what money cannot do, my God will do for you. I just said, amen, no. You know, I was, I was not in the mood. You know, I was going to go back home to lick my sores. My UK dreams were coming to an end. On Monday, I went to see an uncle of mine. And he said, you know what, just apply again. So I applied. Listen to me. Never underestimate the prayer of a person who has nothing to give you. Because they truly, when you really touched them, that prayer touches God. I got there. I dropped my application. So we were waiting. On a certain day, my uncle was leaving his office. Then he was director of Coca-Cola, West Africa. He was leaving his office on the island. And he didn't know there was terrible traffic. So he drove into Metropolitan Club to watch a game then, you know, to watch a football game. He was a supporter of Arsenal, as I am, a proud supporter, even though we haven't won anything for years. Don't, don't say anything. Right. If you say if you say the wrong thing here, I'll just stop preaching and I won't come tomorrow. Anyway, so he went into the club to watch Arsenal play. And um, while he was there, a Caucasian man, a British man sat beside him and they watched the game together. Yes, keep your opinions to yourself. They were watching the game together. And while they were watching the game together, you know, they were bantered, they were laughing and things like that. Eventually, when the game was over, this man kept asking my uncle for his business card. My uncle was not interested. He just wanted to go. He kept asking him for his business card. My uncle was not interested. Listen, no, this is mercy. Oh, God. When, when people are where they are, it is mercy. It is, but you must know how to obtain mercy. You must know how to obtain mercy. So... My uncle kept saying to this man that, look, forget it. Let's just move on. Um, I'm going home. So this man follows my uncle and says, uh, here's my own card. Whenever you can, just give me a call and reach out to me. So my uncle took his card, says, okay, see you. Puts it in his pocket. Gets into his car. They start driving. My uncle's car pulls out. There's, there's a bit of traffic coming out of the club. There's a bit of traffic coming out of the club. And my uncle is sitting in the car, tired. He pulls out the card. He looks at the card. This Caucasian man is the deputy British high commissioner. This Caucasian man he was watching football with. You see that embassy there, right? Where they refuse people. Their boss, the head, was the person sitting beside him that he was watching football with. My uncle ran out of the car. 
ran in front of the man's car. He said, wow, I didn't know you were the deputy British High Commissioner, man laughed. He said, my nephew has received an admission to study his master's in commercial law at the University of Aberdeen, but he's been refused. He has reapplied. We don't know what to do. The man said, tell him to send you that text, his application number, his name, his reference, and send it to me. Guys, this, my uncle calls me at 11. I send him these things by 11.15, 11.30. My passport with my visa on it was on my table when I got back from court the next day at 1 p.m. What had been there for days? Mercy, mercy. Listen, they that observe lying vanities, do you understand me, forsake their mercy. It is a mercy issue. It is not of him that will it. It is not of him that run it. It is of God that shows mercy. It is of God that shows mercy. You have come into your seasons of visitation. Listen, there are people around you that need, there's the beggar in front of your house that needs your help. There's someone around you that needs something. There's someone that just needs to stay in your place for accommodation, right? You can afford to give the person Please understand it. Don't chase people that you that you think can do things for you. Chase those that will cause God to know He owes you. That woman's prayer at Kanti Police Station brought the deputy. Listen, there are some prayers. Oh God, I don't want. I don't want to sound disrespectful. There are certain men of God. Their prayer would not have moved that man into that space. It was from a heart of gratitude and pain that had been met. That was what brought her there. Mercy. I'm praying for you this morning. The Lord will show you mercy. The Lord will establish you. The Lord will move you forward. Listen to me. Some of you, you think that you've been stuck, but God is saying that I'm giving you, I'm giving you an open door. When you pray for an open door, God sends you a person. God is going to give you an opportunity to be a blessing to someone. You will help someone at work. You will answer a question. You will do something. You will, it will be a function of, you will pick someone. I've heard of a couple who picked up a man, a pregnant woman in the middle of winter. And they had been waiting on God for 10 years. And when they got this woman to the hospital, over there in Edinburgh, all the woman was saying to them was, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And then the woman said, uh, please, thank you. Please help me greet the children. When the wife of the man that took her to the, uh, to the hospital, when she flinched, the woman said, you don't have a child. Ha! And you did this for me. You will have your child. Those people, within a year, they had a child. The prophetic word of God comes by mercy. Intercession is there. Confession is there. Now it's time for profession. And profession is by virtue of your walk. Walk the walk of mercy so that you can obtain mercy. Father, I just thank you for these wonderful ones who have been patient enough to have been with me today. 
Lord, I'm asking, oh God, that you empower them. And Lord, that you open the doors of mercy. Thank you, Lord, for P.I. Thank you for Pastor Emisi. Thank you for Pastor Olumide. Thank you, Father, my God, for everyone under the sound of my voice. Lord, who you have used in many ways to be a blessing to people, to create opportunities and doors for them. Thank you, Lord, even for others, oh God, who have just chosen to be of help, who have just chosen to be a blessing to people. This is their day. This is their day of visitation, oh God. Visit them with your mercy that when the season of judgment comes, judgment will fall on the right side of them because mercy has cushioned the effect. Thank you, Father, my God, because this place is Goshen. And Lord, you have separated, oh God. Father, my God, what happens in the land from your children who you've gathered on this platform. We give you the glory and the praise, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. P.I. I'm done. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this sermon on the Refer series. This sermon is available on YouTube and all podcast platforms. For more information and other resources, visit www.emissiowolabi.com.